What's happening, party people? Welcome back to the Maham Account Podcast, a fortnightly philosophy and lifestyle podcast, bringing you the best self-improvement, self-development, lots of sweet content to help you level up your philosophies, your stories, and live a more meaningful life. But this week is no different. I'm joined by Brendan Kumar Asami. Uh, Brendan is a communication expert and the founder of Master Talk with over 20k subscribers on YouTube and some really incredible content to help you overcome your fear of public speaking and use your voice better to communicate your ideas to the world. Communication skills are, I've had people actually reaching out to me in the past, messaging me about, you know, learning about speaking, how to communicate better, how to improve your general communication skills. And it is one of the most significant topics and one which we often neglect these days because we spend so much time behind screens not talking to people, uh, being weirdos, basically. So we're kind of at a disadvantage. And in this podcast, Brendan's basically, it's essentially me harassing Brendan uh, to get the, the wisdom that he has cultivated over his many, many years of communication and to lay out some practical insights, actionable knowledge, you know, techniques you can use, things that you can use to practice your communication skills, even if nobody's around. And overall, trying to sketch out, you know, what it is to be really good at communicating to people. So this is going to be a really useful one. Uh, We all need a little bit of this wisdom, I'm sure. So as always, if you like the podcast, follow along on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, uh, join us on the Instagram account, Mahan underscore McCann, because there's plenty more great interviews coming. So without further ado, here's Brendan Kumar Asami, the founder of Master Talk. Boom. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Maha McCann podcast. I am honored and privileged to be joined here today by Brendan Kumasari, communication expert and founder of Master Talk. So welcome, Brendan. Hey, thanks for having me, Mahan. Great to be on. I appreciate you joining me, to be honest. I've been enjoying your videos all week. And there's a lot of stuff, like I've actually, I found them really, really useful. Obviously, I do a lot of communication on this podcast and other places, but um, it's a difficult thing to do. I wonder, are you a born communicator or did you have to become a communicator? Was it, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Great place to start the conversation, Mahan. Yeah, I would say it's both, right? You know, I, ca- I can't lie on the show and say that I was 100% made. I'm sure there was some part oh, was, of me that was... I was hoping born, there was some yeah. sob story or some sort of, like, you know, su- superhero origin type thing. <laughs> I mean, there there is something similar to that. So so in the sense, I'm mostly made. So so I grew up in Montreal. And in Montreal, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, is, is a city where you actually know how to speak French. So I didn't know French. But my parents sent me to French school so I could learn the language and do well in the city. So my whole life, not only did I struggle with communication, I had to present in a language I didn't even know, Mahan. Like, I would literally go up to my classrooms and not know the language. So yeah, definitely uh, there's a hero story there. I I sucked at communication my whole life. That's why I'm passionate about it. 
Yeah, and well, I feel you. It's, it was reminding me when I was watching your videos that there was some something I saw from Warren Buffett, which was he like he said if he could go back in time, he would invest all his money in communication skills because he said that's the thing you do everywhere. Like it's the one skill that goes across all the other ones. So it's you know the big kind of one. And how did you get started with Master Talk? What's the kind of like? How did you get into it? Yeah, definitely the Warren Buffett quote has helped me a lot in. Uh... And explaining the value proposition of, of communication, whether it's a YouTube channel or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, when, when I was in university, Mahan, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing footy or and a basketball or fighting or something. I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. And that's how I learned how to speak. So believe it or not, you actually uh, you actually live in a country where there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of big case competition schools, like the Dublin Institute of Technology and, uh, and the University of Cork, I believe, is also in Ireland. So, so students from those schools, Maha, and I know it sounds weird, but they literally take a flight to Montreal every year, pre-pandemic, obviously, to give PowerPoint slides for a week. So, yeah, it's quite, it's quite the spectacle. And that's how I learned how to speak, brother. And then I started coaching students who are younger than me. And that's how I learned how to speak and, and also coach it, which then led to the idea for MasterChef. Mm -hmm. Nice. And had you done any online content stuff before that? I know you talk about kind of getting started with YouTube. Was that a big transition? Massive transition, actually. I, I never had created content online. What happened essentially was three years after doing these competitions, uh, you know, across the, the country mostly, when I started working at IBM as a consultant and I graduated from university, I had the idea for Mass Talk because I started watching a lot of YouTube videos online, and most of them were just, you know, really old men giving advice on <laughs> communication. And I was like, well, uh, yeah, it doesn't really. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so you can attest, right, Mahan? So, so when I when I got into the industry, because I started when I was twenty-two, right? I started Mass Talk specifically when I was twenty-two. So, so there wasn't really a younger guy or gal, right, delivering content for the younger generation. And also for, for just to have a fresher take on, on speaking. So yeah, I had zero experience in the online where I kind of just took a, a phone and I started Mastrack right in front right there on my mother's couch. <laughs> and, and I never looked back ever since, brother. Because well, your videos are like super high def, super well shot, like beautiful surroundings. Everything looks like immaculate. So was that, that's kind of like a later iteration of Master Talk or was that something that kind of, yeah, came down the line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't have to take my word for it, Mahud. Like, literally go and watch my first YouTube video. That's definitely, like, the proof is in the pudding. And that's why, by the way, a lot of, a lot of YouTubers, they keep the original uploads, the one who, 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 have, the, who have the courage to anyways, which I hope is most. Because, because now people don't have an excuse. You know, people look at my YouTube videos and say, obviously, now I've... You know, I do better financially. I better. I have a production team now, all that stuff. But it, it didn't start that way, not at all. Like, I just had, I was in my mom's basement. Literally, I'm in the basement right now of my mother's. And I started Mass Talk, like, literally <laughs> five feet away from this conversation they're having right now. Took out a phone, started making videos. And then over time, I, I just got better on camera. Same thing with podcasting. The first time I guessed on a show was absolute garbage. And now when it's been 600 times, 500 times, you get a little bit better at them over time. You start to get the swing of it. Yeah, I was going to. Well, I mean, that's an origin story, all right, because um, taking that leap and kind of. And so you work with clients as well and you do like one to one coaching and kind of bigger stuff. And um, what's the kind of top thing that people 
I mean, I know from my own experience struggling with public speaking, you know, going all red, blustering, speaking too fast, sweating, yada, yada. Um, is it mainly nerves that you're helping people with? Would you say that that's what the skills are for or is it something else? Yeah, for sure, Mahan. That's definitely one piece of it. I would say the biggest piece, though, is probably presentation technique. So let's say, you know, smiling, ding, right? Vocal tone variation, pacing, mastering all those little bits and pieces of how to speak. Obviously, I share all, all the process on how to do that on my YouTube channel for free. Yeah. But, you know, for, for those who, who are like executives and CEO type characters who don't have time to go through YouTube videos, they just hire me as their coach. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose then you get more one-to-one -one kind of like attention and yeah, a bit more specification. And what is something that you think, I mean, for somebody that's listening, I know it's like the number one fear for people is public speaking. And it's kind of like, it's a big thing for myself, my own life and people that I know. Um, how do you start people who are, say, just coming from zero and they want to be more confident, like in communication? Where would you begin with a person like that? Absolutely, Mahon. So, so the, the first piece is to ask yourself a bigger question, which is where does the fear of communication even come from? Because a lot of us are apparently scared of communication, but no one's really talked about where does it come from. So, so let's break it down. It's actually really simple if you think about it. Where have we given most of our presentations? Probably where the answer is. And it's school, surprisingly enough. Whether you went to university or not, it doesn't really matter. High school, elementary school, that's where you learn how to speak. But there's problems with that, Mahon. Three specific ones. All of the presentations are mandatory. You don't wake up one morning and say, Hey, Mahon, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Is that something you're interested in doing? Nobody does it. You're like, please, Brendan, help me. Maybe now, but definitely not then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Not That's number one. They're all mandatory. mandatory. Number two, right? You never get to pick the topic. So it's never, hey, Mahon, what are you excited about today? Are you excited about podcasting? Are you excited about Irish culture? Do you want to talk about that in a presentation? No, it's, hey, Mahon, I need you to talk about Shakespeare. And you're kind of like, who am I shaking? What am I shaking? Where am I shaking? I don't know. What's this? Right? And you're just like, yeah. <laughs> it's so that's always like, the worst stuff. Right. <laughs> Although I do like Shakespeare, just to clarify. Yeah. Oh, there you go. See, so I, I still, no, no offense to Shakespeare, I'm sure he's a great guy. But anyways, so there's number three. This is the biggest thing, Ken. Every presentation is tied to a punishment. So it's never, okay, everyone, let's all cheer for Mahun as he does his presentation on podcast. No, it's, by the way, Mahun, if you don't do a great job, you lose 30% of your grades and all your dreams and aspirations. <laughs> So yeah, it kind of makes sense, don't you think? Why we're all scared yes. of communication? We see it like a chore. Really clarified that for me, Brandon. That's that's cleared it up nicely. Um, I realized why I hated it so much. Um, it's so true, man. And I guess it doesn't have to be that way. If I'm correct, is there? There's an afterlife post school. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mahud, you got you got to have a bit more faith in me. Of course, yeah. there's an afterlife. The or else, what, what would be the <laughs> Jeez, imagine we just end the podcast here and they just say, yeah, that's it. And yeah, it's completely here. impossible. Give up. Yeah, def yeah. definitely Sorry. not the case. Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here to save the day. <laughs> so, so yeah, absolutely. Mahon. So there, there is a way for us, for us to shift that. Okay. 
And the way that we shift it is a lot easier than you think. It just starts with a simple question. And it's a question most of us have even, never thought about in our lives. And the question is, how would our life change if we were exceptional communicators? And I'll repeat that again. How would our life change if we were exceptional communicators? That is the question that many of us should be asking ourselves. Because when we start to focus on the positives, why is communication important to us? Why should I be mastering this skill? When we get to that level, it's a lot easier, right? It's a lot easier for us to think about the positives. Oh, this matters. The travel, the people I get to meet in life. And then we focus on those benefits. And then we have the motivation, the accountability to actually master this thing in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so to dig into that a little bit more, you know, why does communication matter? I know we do it all the time. We're doing it right now. Um, and I guess, yeah, why, why is it so significant? Do you look at it as significant professionally, but also as like a human being existentially? I mean, I'm thinking about like small talk, which is probably, I don't know if that's kind of something you approach, but for a lot of people, you know, small talk is insufferable and terrible. I tend to look at it as opportunities to connect with people in small ways, maybe. But do you think communication these days is valued as much as it should be? Is it in its, you know, proper place? Absolutely. You know, the way I think about this, Mahon, is communication will always be valuable. And the reason is because I fundamentally believe it's one of the most important skills on earth because it's every interaction you have with every human being that you get to meet until your, your last day, right? It's every micro interaction, every way that you communicate an idea. But what I will also add is that for all of us, the reason to master communication for us selfishly would be different. So like for me, when I was in university, the main reason I worked on my communication skills was to beat everyone at case competitions. Right, wanted to be the best in that area. So I wanted to win. I'm a competitive guy. What do you want? Right? I'd be spending a lot of time doing that. But for somebody else, communication is simply, you know, I hate arguing with my spouse or my significant other or my kids. I want to get better at communication so I have less problems at home. That's another reason. And then another one could just be I want a promotion at work. But finding that reason for yourself and focusing in on it, I just gave a couple, is what allows you to really focus on uh, getting it done versus mm. just thinking about it. That's kind of, yeah, the motivation, finding that why and something that'll get you into the kind of fear and the uncomfortability of it. I actually did a public speaking class, um, which was, well, because I just wanted to improve a public speaking and kind of practice a bit more, I suppose. And it was in like a room filled with like 20 sweating, shaking people on like a Wednesday evening. And you could just like smell the fear in the room. <laughs> the, teach, the teacher would kind of go around and say, hey, you know, can you introduce yourself? And everybody was kind of like, no. Um, so I actually felt pretty good in that circumstances. Um, I wasn't as afraid as I was, but um, it kind of struck me how much better you get the more you practice or the more you do it. Is there any ways that you would recommend for people to actually practice public speaking? Because, I mean, we don't do it all the time, you know, if you're not like, a professional presenter or working in it um how can you practice it absolutely brother so a couple of easy ways to do this i'd say the easiest one is the random word exercise all you have to do is pick a random word right? like phone or sweater or headset pick a phone or not don't pick a phone pick a word like phone and just practice the random word exercise five times a day for five minutes 
And as yeah. you do this, you get more comfortable in the way that you communicate ideas. And eventually, that exercise will come really easy to you. And once you get to that place in your life, it'll be a lot easier for you to convey ideas in general. Okay. So that the random word one, then, for somebody that's doing that, they'll pick things that are in their environment, you know, around the house, whatever it is, and kind of give a spiel, five, ten minutes, and just go off on it. Yeah. That's it. Each presentation should be around 60 seconds. Mhm. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of my roommate here now cuz he was uh he's in college and he was doing presentations and he was really uh struggling with it and talking about wanting to kind of improve and feel a bit more comfortable in it. When you're advising somebody who's speaking, do you get them what do you tell them to focus on or is there something, you know, for their attitude when they're going in there that they can use. Yeah, I would say for me, the focus, Mahan, is just doing it. Like, think about it. How many people do you know? Like, what percentage of people do you know? It's just kind of a random question. Do you think I've done the random word exercise 10 times in their life? Not many. What do you think that number would be? Right, maybe like um, 5%, maybe less than 5%. Probably, right? yeah. But what if I said 100, what if I said 100 times? Mm, that's an elite group, probably. <laughs> an elite group course. of uh, Irish... <laughs> Irish super right? presenters. So... <laughs> right. but, but, here's the, here... <laughs> but, but here's the thing, Mohan, is mm. how, many, how much time does it take to do the random word exercise 100 times? How much time does it take? So if it's around 60 seconds, that would be, what, like an hour and... 40 minutes am i doing really bad maths there or is that you're crushing it you're literally acing every question i'm asking you it's the most maths i've done thank you but here don't worry that, that's all the maths we have today so you're fine you already got the grade okay. you got the a but that's the point is going to if, if we are to become the super presenters it only takes yeah. an hour and 40 minutes in our lives like not a day not a week not not even a year you could actually split yep. the hour 40 across like a decade and you'd still be in the top 1%. Just do it 10 times a year or something. But, but that's the point I want to drive is that it doesn't take as much as people think. That, that's why when there's a coach like me, I force them to do it all 100 times in like two weeks. That's why they get really good. So the answer to your question is don't worry about the framework. Don't worry about – yeah, sure, there's nuances. There's ways you want to approach it. But the most important thing is to do it. Okay. Do it with your kids. I know you don't have kids, but like people who have kids. Do it with your nieces, your nephews, your family members, people around you. Just do it. Kind of like the old Nike saying goes, and you will get results. You will get better, 100%. Whoa, that's some hard-line advice, Brandon. So you're, you're, basically, what I'm hearing here is that, like, that there's no tricks. Like, there's no kind of, there's no hacks. You know, you actually have to practice and work hard at it, which, you know... We're gonna lose a lot of the audience on that one, man. Let me push. Convenient. <laughs> let me let me push on that even a bit more. Okay. Let, let's 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 drag the sarcasm all the way to the end. You know, Perfect. a lot of people ask me what's the best way to speak, and coincidentally, I know it's odd, but oddly enough, the best way to speak is drum roll, please, is to speak wow oh my god it's it's life-changing is like this will go down in history for we're really nailing it <laughs> but so true man i mean 
you can't really beat actually doing it. It's simple, just not easy. Simple. Mm-hmm. Do the random word access a hundred times. It's just not easy because most people don't want to spend an hour out of their life, not their day, an hour out of their life to do it because they don't care enough to master communication skills. That's why the first step, right, is to ask yourself why. Right, like the kids at DIT and Cork, the reason why they they want they get so good so quickly is because they want to win against me and the competitions or students like I used to be. There's a motivation. What's your motivation? What's the motivation of life? like you? You definitely want to get better communication because you want to scale your podcast. You want to reach more lives. So people need that motivation for themselves. Mm, yeah, man, and it's man, it's so true. Like it's really you're it's kind of like you're a motivational speaker it's like a hard gym talk like you don't get you're not gonna get buff on the couch kind of thing but um there was something i was thinking uh, but, about there but mm. you know what's funny you said that because i have to interrupt because you said something so is you can totally get buff on the couch in communication you don't even need to stand <laughs> up you can sit on the bloody couch do the random word exercise i'm actually gonna steal that from you it's so good I'm gonna take That's, that you can do it on the couch i'm writing taglines totally. here this is perfect we're working <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there was something there that I was thinking of that was so, I mean, so yeah, the type of actually practicing it, but what do you think of like Toastmasters and stuff like that? I mean, are they things that you think are good or that they have good application? 100% Mahon. So what I always say to that question is I'm an advocate of Toastmasters. I think it's a great organization, but what I will say is there's a difference in hiring a speech coach and doing Toastmasters. I would say the biggest difference is time versus money. So Toastmasters is really for people who have more time than money. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're a student, you're getting started, you're probably two years into corporate, let's say you're really just getting started. I think Toastmasters is the best place for you to be. It's not expensive. I think it's like 100, 150 bucks for the year, right? Mm. And it gives you that community and accountability to practice. And what I would encourage you if you go that route is use the Master Talk YouTube videos, use the lessons here, and apply it back to the people in that club. But the difference is with the speech coach, I would say it's mostly for people who value their money, uh, sorry, their time more than their money. So they, they have more money and they go, okay, if I invest a few thousand dollars to hire a coach, I can get the result in like a week. So I can go, I don't know, get a promotion at work for $30,000. I can get, I don't know, a speech because I'm a business owner, let's say, and I want to go sell better and I can make an extra $10,000 from a presentation. So that's the mindsets more for communication coaches, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of split in between them. But even for, I suppose, for my audience, it's probably a lot of people that just want to practice it more, want to kind of get into it and kind of, yeah, find. Because I know for a lot of people, it's always kind of like zero to 90. It's like I don't present at all. And then suddenly in work, I'm doing some sort of, you know, pitch to a room full of people. Um, And that's the kind of stopping and starting. Um, Do you recommend people practice in communication with other people? I know you talk a lot about networking, relationships, building connections. Um, Is that something you can consciously practice in, you know, say a situation of you're at an event or you're with people around? Is there any tips you could give us for that? Yeah, absolutely. Think of communication, Mahone. It's a great question. As like a domino effect. So if you try and work, actually, let me give you a better analogy. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So one of those balls is no fiddle words, so notice how there's no ums and ahs when I'm speaking. Another ball is looking at the camera, which I haven't done perfectly, by the way, on this podcast. Sometimes I look at myself and then I look at the camera. 
there's smiling, vocal tone variety, pacing, and then it gets really confusing for people. So the trick here is to learn to juggle one ball at a time. So the first ball is probably the random word exercise for 95, 97% of people on this call. Just throw up that random word exercise. But what happens, Mahon, is, Mahon, excuse me, is as you get better at communication, as you get better at the random word exercise, you automatically start getting a bit better at everything else. Because if you're less scared about the random word exercise, you're less scared when you meet new people for the first time. You're less scared when you're giving that presentation at work. And it starts to multiply on top of each other. Mm. But the biggest mistake you can make is try and do everything at once. Do the random word exercise first. Get really good at like how to answer questions and things like that. And then as you build your skill set, then you get to a place where it's much easier for you to build relationships with people. The multiplier effect. I even noticed that doing this podcast is that just talking to people week to week increased my ability to communicate in general so much better. And it wasn't even like a conscious kind of I'm setting out to improve at this. It was just a kind of bonus add-on of the whole thing, I suppose. Um, but there's something you said there, Brandon, that I think is so important, which is filler words. Because a lot of the time we're kind of complacent in that. I know I am. And you just feel like, hey, you know, that's you can get away with ums and ahs. Sometimes it even delays things a little bit. If you can't think of something, you're kind of like, mm, um, um, how do you get over that? What, how, where do you start with oh, that yeah. particular juggling ball? Of course, Mahan. So here, here's, the, here's the way I think about it, brother. Let's ask, once again, principle, right? Why do we say filler words in the first place? Why do we say um or uh? Or, uh? And the answer is really simple, because we forget what we want to say next. So you ask me a question, and I go, uh... Uh, great. Uh, oh, here's the answer. So we use filler words to buy time. We use filler words to buy time. But what the best speakers on the planet do is they replace those filler words with nothing. Not even a sound. They pause instead. And that silence replaces every single filler word that they communicate. And that's why I don't say filler words because I'm replacing them constantly with pauses. That's the secret to how to communicate ideas effectively. But now, if you want to get better at communication, you want to get better at removing your filler words, that's the strategy, is you want to practice pausing for uncomfortable periods of time so that you're more comfortable pausing. So the exercise I recommend that people try is called the endless gaze. So the endless gaze, essentially, you stare into somebody else's eyes for like two minutes. And you don't say anything. It's really <laughs> difficult to do. That's absolutely Very, terrible. <laughs> absolutely. It's terrible. But it makes you so good so quickly so that you're very comfortable pausing. Because in real life, you're pausing for three seconds, two seconds, one second even. So if you can pause for two minutes, you can do anything. And so do you think, okay, so that the endless gaze, but you're not speaking while you're doing that. I mean, so just the mere fact of being comfortable enough looking at somebody for two minutes makes you comfortable pausing correct and by the way in that two minutes you're not saying a single word you're literally just looking at them for two minutes staring endlessly for That's two it. minutes of course on the virtual call it's not as effective but if we were in person yeah absolutely it'd be super awkward <laughs> but, but that's we could do it right now if we want to completely derail <laughs> <the last bit. laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, but that's the key, right? So what it does is like you feel super uncomfortable, but you also get very comfortable in the silence. So notice as I'm communicating to you, if I want to pause, I can just do it. And there's no filler word that's being added into anything that I'm saying, right? That's the point. Is I could I could do this exercise for ten minutes, by the way, probably longer, where I just stare into somebody's eyes. I don't say anything. I could just keep going. That's why I'm super comfortable pausing. But once you master that weapon, you won't be saying filler words that much. Did they make you do that in presenting school, where you kind of just had to stare at each other for like long periods of time? It was like part of the training. Uh, Sort of, but I'll take responsibility. So it wasn't presentation school. Brendan forced everyone else to do this. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't even part of the class or anything. It was just, um, oh, I, no, no, no. Not even close. <laughs> I'm the one who took it to an extreme. I think we were just presenting for fun. And then I came around and kind of switched things up a little just, bit. Just a tiny bit. Boom. Took everybody on. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, that's, man, I'm definitely going to start staring at people more now. And they're going to be really freaked out about it. But I think it'll be just constantly tunnel vision. Um, there was another thing I wanted to touch on. I mean, something that I've noticed in the podcast, which in your latest video talking about personal stories, um, and I, actually, I think it was another, it was actually how to ask better questions was the video. And in that, there was something that I really was vibing with, which is that asking the questions you actually want to know the answer to, rather than the question you think is a good question, or you look like, you know, the informed person, yada, yada. Um, but kind of weaponizing curiosity. Is that something that you mm. teach people? Like your curiosity is like your communication kind of turbo thing. Like it just leads you into good connection. Does that make any sense? It does. I, I love what you shared there on weaponizing curiosity. It's really good, man. I got, I got, I'm learning a lot from you on this podcast. Sweet, man. You're like taking my... Like, I'm having a class after this if you want, though. It's very, it's going to be. <laughs> no, that's excellent, man. I love that. But, but, but yeah, brother. So that's the key, right? Is, is the idea of asking people questions that you're super curious to know yourself. And the way that that's weaponized, I, I think the way I'd rephrase what you said or just add it, build on what you said, is the reason why you want to ask questions you're personally curious about. Is it because it vets people who are meant for you versus people who aren't? Like, my first question for people always is, what are you excited about right now? What are you passionate about? And if people aren't really passionate about it, stuff, or they just go, ah, just go to work, I don't really want to talk to them. There's, there's a lot of people to talk to. And if I get to choose, I'll, I'll pick the excited one every other, every other day than the, than the person who isn't super excited. So that, that's the key, right, is really focusing on the questions. Here's another analogy I'll give you. Let's say you meet somebody new every few days, Mahun. Yeah. Give or take one new person every three days. Very optimistic. Most people don't. And let's say in a given year, you might meet 100 people. Yeah, every three days, 100 people. Does that make sense so far? Pretty simple. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you said no so more let's say you live. <laughs> oh, you're right. I totally cheated. Oh, my God. No, but no, no. But the difference is, it's good. You got me well. So the difference is, I'm doing the math. So I'm not making you do math. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm giving you the answer. So let's say you live for 50 more years, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're 25 right now. You live until 75. Let's use this as an example. Well, 50 times 100, or I'll give you the answer, is 5,000. So the question you want to ask yourself is not how do I get everyone to like me, but rather, who do I want those 5,000 people to be? 
who do I want those 5,000 people to be? Out of 7 billion people, 8 billion almost, you only get to shake hands with 5,000. So when you realize that, you go, wait a second, why am I talking to this person? Why are you talking to that person? And you start to really be selective about who the 5,000 people are in your life. That is a complete game changer, man. Like, you're really thinking about... I, for some reason in my head, I thought I was going to meet at least, like, 3 billion. Maybe, like, almost half. Maybe a bit less. <laughs> but, like, I was fully convinced until you said that, that it was going to be at least, like, 2.5 billion. But, like... Five ten thousand, like Jesus! It really puts a uh, ten ten thousand. If you're a super networker, like I said, yeah. one person every three days. Most people don't even meet somebody new every three days. So it's probably less than five thousand. Whoa, man! Yeah, that really quality over quantity. I suppose is the the lesson from it. That is, you're like part magician, part communication expert. Part <laughs> it really does um it puts in perspective i suppose making connections with the people you want to make connections with rather than just everybody do you think social media has taught us to be pardon my language but uh i don't know connection sort of uh what would you say promiscuous or connection um possibly uh yeah connection slots, jumping around jumping around yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just trying yeah, to totally grab see. everybody and catch them in our Twitter account and yada yada. I, I definitely feel that's that's the society we live in. And by the way, I'm guilty of it too, right? Do I like my 20k on YouTube? I do. I definitely do. And I want it to be more. But I think what I'll say is there's a difference between quantity and quality of the connection, right? Like, this is a lot more in-depth of a conversation than, let's say, somebody who just pressed like, somebody who just comments, maybe. And, and that's the key, is realize that there's a big difference between the person who just presses a button for you versus a person who will take a flight for you. And really spending time cultivating who those real friends are in your life, because those are the people that will really catch you when you're falling. Yeah, man. And it kind of it reminds me of something that somebody said. I can't remember... It was some marketing thing, but um, looking for hearts, not eyes. That's the metric to optimize for. And it's something that I've definitely been trying to take on board because I think the technology is just like, fucking, if we can get a million, get a million, yada, yada. Um, and is there anything on networking while we're on it, Brandon, like that in terms of, you know, how you think it should be done, when you think it's done well? Um, is there anything that you could share there that would be useful? Yeah, I'll share two other ones, Mahon. So the first one is people need to realize that relationship, back to the 5,000-person analogy, is a filtering game. Even today, yeah, sure, can I get most people to like me? Probably, because of the way that I communicate and idea, and the way that I listen and smile and all that stuff. But the truth is, is like I had probably 20 coffees in the last, no, 30 coffees in the last two weeks. And I'm keeping in touch with, I think on my list, I, I, I wrote like five names. Right? So the other 25, I was like, oh my God, like why am I on this call? Right? So <laughs> you, you can't like it. And by the way, I'm sure it's the other way around too. They're probably looking at me going, why, why is this crazy guy on a call with me? I don't understand. So, so filtration is a big piece. And I feel the biggest mistake we make with relationships, Mahan, is we don't triple down the people that we love. We don't triple down 
on the people that are already amazing in our network. That is by far the biggest mistake most of us make with the relationship skills. Mm. So here's the, here's the tactic. I call this the value list. So the value list is simply this. Make a list of the top 10 people in your network okay, that you already know. And by top 10, you don't rank it by money. You don't rank it by status. You rank it by how much those people pour into you. How much those people pour in to you. And then write one thing that you appreciate about them. And just ask yourself a simple question. What have you done for them lately? And the answer is nothing. It's almost always nothing. But guess what, Mahan? Those are the 10 people that will introduce you to other great people. And that's how I met my top 10. My top 10 all know each other. So I introduce everyone to each other so that my top people all know who they are and they all help me in return. And is this like from a business perspective or is it like my family and like my, and my girlfriend? Should I like rank them all kind of into... I hope they don't get mad at me. But... Um, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so there... The, so great, great question, man. That's the easy, good follow-up. So the ranking system is not meant to be like a, a pecking order. It's, it's really meant to help you be more intentional with how you spend your energy. Because a lot of us, to your point, we're just jumping around. Let's go meet the next person, the next person. Versus taking that 30 minutes to go, hey, let me go re redouble down on that person that I really liked that I met two weeks ago. It was really amazing. That's really the secret, right? is tripling down on the person we already like. Another piece I'll add is there's people who don't actually can't, they're unranked. They're kind of z ranked zero, where you don't, they're, they're just you just have to put them at the top. People like your great girlfriend are a good example, is family members. My mom and my sister are not on my top 10 list. They're just ranked zeros. So I just, I just know they're at the top, but they're still written somewhere. So let's say I have my value list, and then I have like a section called like uh, family members and advisory yeah. board. So... So there's different types of lists, but I think the point is be intentional with how you spend your time. Yeah, and there's kind of an attitude shift there as well, which is like it's not just about meeting new people all the time, which I think a lot of networking advice is like how to get people to like you in two minutes in an elevator and make them your best friend so they do loads of stuff for you. Um, that seems to be more advice of being connected to the people that you're already connected with rather than just trying to turn strangers into assets or something weird like that <laughs> <laughs> well said man <laughs> yeah um and i suppose yeah continue so we kind of looked at networking and building connections with people um what do you see i mean what kind of are they are those issues that people come to you with a lot what's the kind of most common things that you see in your practice day to day um that people struggle with in communication Absolutely. So, so a lot of the people I end up working with, they're either shy, introverted, or they're outgoing, but they have really bad technique. So in both situations, the remedy is the same, which is work on your presentation skills, get really good. It's just the introverts need a little bit more encouragement. That's the only difference. And then the next pillar is, you know, having them go through communication situations that they're not used to. Answering rapid-fire questions. We kind of throw questions at them, kind of like this podcast, right? Like, boom, 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 boom. Answer this question, answer this question, answer this question. So a lot of people aren't used to that. They're like, oh, my God, look, there's so many questions i got to answer. I'm, I'm, I'm used to it, obviously, I'm sure as you are. But then the third part of it is relationship building. So now as you get better at answering questions, asking questions, you get better at presenting skills and ideas, 
Well, then you get to a point where, okay, I'm I'm pretty good at this. And then when you build relationships, it's going to be a lot easier for you to do that. So the key is, I even if somebody says I have relationship building problems, I don't. I never start there. I always start with how are your presentation skills? Why? Because how you present an idea mirrors back everything else. Because if you're bad at relationship building and you sound like this, hey, it's good to meet you. That means your presentation is also bad. Okay, that I've never seen someone who presents really, really well. Welcome, Ahun. And then when he's talking, when he's talking to you in per, like Just in a coffee, he's like, dead. <laughs> like I, I don't. See, it's weird. never happens. Yeah, yeah. So you got to fix. fix yeah, it's just presentations are easier to fix because they don't, they don't, you don't need somebody else to have a conversation with. Yeah, and what do you do for the people that are kind of more extroverted but lack the technique? Is it the same process, or is it a matter of refinement? Same, you know same process, but a bit more refinement, I would say. So they don't need a coaching call on fear and how to overcome it. They just, they, they just need a little. Hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Fix this, and then once it's fixed, they can easily get the momentum they need to win. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. And yeah, there's just kind of well, I'm I've kind of gone through most of my questions here, but there's more stuff coming up. So I, I apologize if I'm just harassing you with questions, Brandon. But um, <laughs> no, no, very, I'm used to it. Jump in. Very rare opportunity, um, with somebody with your skills to you know. <laughs> very rare good. opportunity. What am I, the Pope? <laughs> yeah, the Pope of communication. <laughs> okay, so the Pope, the Pope's communication, good, but um, what, uh, am I like a rainbow zebra? Something's very rare in the wild. We get to talk to him. For... It's very true. Well, you're the first communication expert that we've had through these uh, hallowed halls. But um, so, what about crowds? Um, whenever you're speaking to a crowd, is there anything you use in particular? That would be, you know, do you focus on an individual? Do you focus on the whole crowd? Is that an area of study in communication that you deal with? Yeah, I would say for for crowds, not to worry too much about it. The, the way I think about it is different areas of momentum. So you start with random word exercise. You get that. Let's say you do that really well. The next step after that is knowing how to practice your speeches for bigger crowds. So the analogy I share is practice presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. But that simply means this. I'm sure you guys do puzzles in Ireland, right? You know those toy puzzles? Oh, for that sure, man. Do? Yeah, it's big. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. There you go. Oh, it's a big, a huge culture there. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, massive, so, 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 so that means you know the question, the answer to my question. So the, the question is, when you're working on a, pu a puzzle, Mahan, which pieces do you start with first and why? Uh, the corners. Because it gives you the Absolutely. outline. And then you can Absolutely. Dude, you're crushing these quizzes, man. You're just getting every question right. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right? So when you work on the edges, it's easier because those corners, the edge pieces are easier to find in the box you put them together. But we don't do that in communication. Communication, we do the opposite. We shove a bunch of content, get to the presentation, we ramble throughout the whole thing, and the last slide sounds something like this. Uh yeah, uh, thanks. That's that's <laughs> literally every that's presentation, presentation. Yeah, <laughs> except except like the whiz kids at DIT. Everyone else, it's not working. It's not working for them. So how do you fix this? The way that you fix this is you practice your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. 
introduction 20 times, 30 times, 40 times, 50 times. Don't do anything else. Just do the introduction until it's perfect. Okay? And it's not that hard because the introduction is like a minute or two. Practice just the intro 30 times and you'll quickly see an increase in your skill set. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing with the close. 30 times the conclusion. Get it done. In only two hours of practice, you'll have mastered your introduction and your conclusion, and then you have the momentum to tackle the middle of your puzzle. Mm, so yeah, start and finish strong, and then the rest of it's kind of going to be a bit easier. Mm. You yeah, got it's it. very good. Awesome tip. Um, and who are some communicators that you admire? Who are, are there public speakers? Who's your kind of your top kind of i was gonna say jesus but that's probably not kind of the i don't know if that's how it works for public speaking but um yeah <laughs> who's your who's your faves yeah for sure so so definitely my opinions are heavily biased right but i i'm happy to share but i think the key is you know find your own communication here find the people you really admire if i had to pick one it would probably be scott harrison the ceo of charity water i really like scott's technique I like the mission that he does. He's, he's a CEO of a nonprofit. He helps people gain access to clean water in the world. But more so, he has a great book called Thirst by Scott Harrison. And what I like about the book is he's not just somebody who talks about communication. He's applying it in real time. So he's going, this is the story. I use this story to raise $10 million for my charity, $15 million over here, over there. So you really get to see the nitpicky at practical applications of how communication and storytelling applies into building a brand. So, so Scott's my personal favorite, but I'm sure a lot of people disagree. Mm. And how important is the story, do you think? I mean, should a person have the story first and then do the public speaking, or should you just, for the context of the public speaking, make up a good story? Mm. So public speaking is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, right, Mahon? It's Mahon, sorry. So when you're juggling these balls, going back to the analogy we shared earlier, storytelling is probably ball number 16 or 15. So if, you're, if you have filler words everywhere and you're trying to tell stories, it's not going to work, but it's not going to work. Because if you're, if you're telling a story, I'll give you an example. Once upon a time, uh, my mom and I, we went to the beach. Like, if you don't have the technique, <laughs> already doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter what the story is. Yep. Even if you, like, won the Wimbledon or something, you, like... I don't know, got a million bucks. doesn't matter. Like, it's, everyone's just going to be like, oh, like, this is boring. So start with the technique and then work on storytelling because storytelling is very vague to learn. Yeah, and athletes always do that, don't they, where they have really vague speeches after they win something. They're kind of like, oh, I want to thank my dog. Um, and yeah, uh... but <laughs> just this kind of unending. But yeah, storytelling is something that I've done a lot. I'm also a playwright, and I did a master's in creative writing. so done a lot of storytelling stuff how is it but i write stories so if i'm to write a story and then tell it on stage what's the difference is it going to be abbreviated is it going to have to be you know if you write it down how do you translate it to when you're actually like out there right so here here's kind of the general thesis of how i approach this mahan okay we get the technique right we get the intro right, we get the conclusion right, and now we go to the content. So the content starts with a simple question, which is not so simple. 
which is what is your key idea? If there's only one thing that people can take away from your entire presentation, your entire shtick, what do you want that one key message to be? And the way that I nail this for people is a scenario. Let's say it's the last presentation of your life. Yeah, last presentation of your life. You can present for as long as you want. You can present for four hours, ten hours, three minutes, doesn't matter. But the only thing is that your audience will remember absolutely nothing about your presentation except for one sentence. And then after they hear that sentence, you die. What do you want the sentence to be? What do you want the sentence to be? And that is the key idea of your presentation. So when you figure out what that one sentence is, then what you do is you start testing ideas to help defend that sentence, to prove that you're right. So I'll give an example with me. My one sentence is I believe any human being can become an exceptional communicator. So what are the stories, analogies, metaphors, statistics that I share? You'd have to pick all four. They're just tools, right? What are the stories that I use to prove that? Well, my own personal story is one of one. I went from a kid who literally had to present a language he didn't know to speaking like this. If I could do it, anyone can do it. Boom. Story. Personal story. Number two, the analogy I shared before, where does the fear of communication come from? It's not as difficult as people think it is. So when I talk about the school and the mandatory and all this stuff, people go, oh, he's right. Communication is actually not that hard. And then the third piece, focusing on the positives of communication. Have you ever thought about the benefits? Ever thought about how it could change your life? People go, oh, he's right. We could totally become great speakers. So notice how everything I share is always leading back to that core idea. So same thing with the content. Whenever you're writing something down and you're kind of synthesizing it for the real stage, always ask yourself, keep it simple. If there's one thing that people take away, what do you want it to be? And what content ideas and stories can you share to help maximize that key idea? And you won't get it right the first time. Some of the ideas you'll share are really bad, but the key is to just test a bunch until you find the ones that work. That is it. Yeah. I feel like out of this whole podcast, that'll be like the one key idea that's like the most just hone in. And is that because people just have short attention spans? People don't, you know, you don't walk away with that much information. Um, and is there a time limit thing on that? So if you're doing like a five minute speech, 40 minute speech, would you ever have multiple mm. key ideas? Sorry, I might be being really annoying here, but. No, no, no. This are, these are great questions, right? Because it helps me. Yeah, you're, you're a learner. You're one of the I'm, super really presenters. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the way that I would say this, Mahan, is definitely one key idea regardless of how long the speech is. Of course, there's going to be multiple subset of ideas, right? You're like a 40-minute keynote. You can talk longer than a five-minute one. But there's definitely one key art. Like for me, at the end of the day, if I can't convince people that they can become great communicators, everything I say is worthless. Literally. If I can't convince you that you become a great speaker, if my ideas aren't simple enough, if my exercises aren't tangible enough, and people just go, man, I can't do it, then I missed the boat. I clearly missed the mark on what I was trying to accomplish with this podcast. But on the other hand, if people go, I get that. That schooling example Brandon's talking about, that makes sense to me. Crap, well, heck, if Brendan can master a language in a second and I speak English and that's what I presented, I could probably pull it off too. So that's the, the idea. We're always thinking about the audience, right? And that's really the key. Can you give me the follow-up question to that? I think you had a couple of questions there. 
So, well, it was that if you had multiple, if you had a longer speech, would you have multiple controlling ideas in it? But I think that kind of clarifies it, to be honest, and that all of the other content of the speech is basically reinforcing that point. So it's kind of like, don't have, you know, don't be cooking two meals at the same time. Just try and have the one, you know, one airplane on the runway and just, yeah, deal with that. To what, just, like, yeah. like. No, no, you're absolutely right, brother. And think about this very podcast episode. Why am I able to answer so concisely and succinctly whenever you're asking me a question? It's not, mm. it's not an accident. It's because I've been asked the same bloody question a hundred times. So the first so time, sorry. I remember I was... No, 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 that's a good thing, right? Because people need to hear the same message over and over again because, because people aren't exposed to me yet. But, but the point I want to drive, brother, is the fifth podcast I was on probably two years ago, and somebody asked me the question, where does the fear of communication come from? I didn't know the answer. I just went, uh, I don't know. And, and, I was, and then I thought about it after the podcast was over, and I was like, where does the fear? And then I came up with the analogy that I use now. And that's the key. We're always learning. But that's the trick as well, Mahan, is if you keep switching topics, you won't get better at communication because you're always worrying about your content. So the trick instead is to find the one presentation that you really care about. So for you, it's your podcast, talking about the Mahan McCann podcast, why it's important, why people should listen to it. But that story is one that you can repeat a hundred times. And then that specific presentation, you'll get way better at the delivery and then that will trickle over into every presentation you give for the rest of your life. Whoa. Master one thing and you master them all. It's pretty Correct. Cool. Mm. And what would you, are there any books that you'd recommend to people? What kind of book do you give to people when you're saying, hey, this will help? This is your... I'm not big on books. Not big on books. No? I'm big really? on, like, for example, I'll, I'll tell you a story that happened with my clients last week. He was like, I started reading Dale Carnegie's book. Nothing wrong with Dale Carnegie's stuff. And, he, and I was like, how much time are you spending a week reading that book? He's like, 30 minutes. I was like, here's what you're going to do for the next six weeks. You're going to stop reading that book for 30 minutes. And you're going to take that 30 minutes, and you're going to do the random word exercise 30 times. That's what you're going to do. And he just went, Ugh. Yeah. So, yes, there's only one book that I recommend on communication. Because I don't like – because books are just a distraction. Except for one. I only have one exception. But I still think the random word exercise is more important to do, but I'll still give the book. It's Thirst by Scott Harrison. That's the one that's shaped most of my thinking on, on communication because it's not about communication, but rather the practical application of how someone uses communication to change the world. That's why I like that book a lot because it keeps me focused on the practicality of communication versus me going, speak more. Communicate an idea, communicate versus being like, no, you got to do this every day and get that right. Getting lost in the the bullshit, man. It seems like you're a tough teacher, Brennan. This is a, you'd be going through boot camp like just the word game again and again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, de I'm definitely tough love, definitely tough love. But that's why that's why I've I've done well, I guess, for relative to my age. Yeah, for sure, man. And that's why it works as well. Like it's all definitely no nonsense. Um, and where can people, where's the best place to find you? Is it the YouTube channel? Um, where can people go to see more of your stuff uh, to sign up? You know, where's they find you? Yeah, for sure, brother. So two key places. So the first one is the YouTube channel. You can just go check that out. It's master talk in one word. There's hundreds of free videos up there. But if you're interested in coaching, you can also attend one of our free trainings that we do over Zoom. So we learn for free how to speak. Everyone's invited. Come and join the party if you want to learn how to speak. And to register for that, it's rockstarcommunicator.com. 
com. Awesome. I'll make sure to put those in the description as well, so you'll be able to find them. Hello. Perfect. So thanks a million, Brendan. Cheers for your time. Thanks for having me. Yeehaw! I hope you enjoyed that interview. And as always, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, follow along. There's plenty more great interviews coming. There's one coming with Anna Lemke, Dr. Anna Lemke, addiction specialist, at the beginning of April. And this is probably, in my opinion, the biggest podcast I've done so far, and one which I've been looking forward to for such a long time. So you're really not going to want to miss that for some of the finest self-improvement content on the internet. Boop!